Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of MindBuddyGreen and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a five-star review and comment. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness and make sure to check out all of our great offerings, including our online classes and trainings. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Olesa Bindak, the Chief Content Officer here at Mind Body Green. Our guest today is spiritual leader Preetaji Krishna. Along with her husband, Krishna Ji, Preetaji created the ONO Academy in India to help people tap into consciousness and overcome suffering. Beyond being incredibly intuitive, Preetaji is also business savvy, and she offers a truly unique perspective on where the worlds of business and spirituality meet. Her new book, The Four Sacred Secrets, shares her insights into why so many of us suffer from anxiety, depression, and a general sense of dissatisfaction, and how meditation, community, and connection can help us make our way towards more fulfilling and beautiful lives. Preetaji, thank you so much for being here. Namaste, so beautiful to be here. We're delighted to have you. So let's start out when you were eight years old. You said that it was at this time that you first noticed that there was something different about the way that you were perceiving the world than the way that the people around you were. Can you tell us a little bit about that? When I was young, I would be able to feel, feel what my mother would feel, feel what my father would feel, or feel what my sister would feel, and sometimes even friends. And... uh, it is a very strong connection that I experienced, an experience of connection where I would feel not being separate from the other and feel being they being part of my life. So that separation did not exist. And I thought that's how the world lived until one finally realized probably not so. Probably others view life very differently and as being separate. What is that like? That's a lot to take on if you're taking on the experiences and the feelings of everyone around you. Um, it Actually, there is a, a clear misunderstanding in the world that if you feel the other, then you become weaker or you become, uh, you you suffer like the other. But the truth is when you feel the other, you, you have a great capacity, a great capacity to heal the hearts of the other, a great capacity to make a difference in the lives of the other. I see a very huge distinction between actually becoming, we don't become negative or we don't become the person who's suffering. But in that experience of connection, you feel so one that you want to do all that is possible to help the other person move out of that place. So what did you do with this, with this knowledge, knowing that you had this connection and that it wasn't the way the I other I continued the to feel the way I was feeling and I loved being myself. I loved the way I was feeling others. I loved the way I, the connection that I could experience with others. And uh, it continued until uh, I had these powerful experiences of not having the self, of feeling one with everything that happened when I was 17 years old. But later in my life, when uh, when I was married to Krishnaji, I could feel another person who was able to feel like me, or much more than me, I would say. Um, the care that he can bring to what the other person is feeling, especially to me in that relationship, was immensely... Um, it, it kind of opened up a new life to me in terms of the way I relate, in terms of the way I relate at work, with my child, with the faculty, with the entire team. It has a huge impact on the way I actually live life. 
the experiences that I've had I share with Krishna ji the experiences that I continue to have with him in terms of his care his concern his connection his his ability to feel the feel me how did you meet Oh, we, we are we know each other from a very small age we, <laughs> it was not a meeting uh, that flowered but we have been like we know each other from the time we were born so how did it feel to meet somebody else who had that same kind of connection though i knew him for a very long time i never knew this part of him and uh, to see it's it's not like that he was fine he was like able to touch my he was able to feel what i was feeling the very first year he took care of me the very first year of the honeymoon period but we married for 23 years <laughs> and he continues to bring attention to how i feel and uh, how i experience life it is important for him so you referenced your um experience at 17 your first transcendental experience yes. um and you said that this was one of the things that was a very significant milestone towards becoming um a spiritual teacher can you tell us a little bit about what that was what what happened and more so how that um made you realize that i've been meditating you were ready to teach? Yeah. yeah i've been meditating for long uh but there was one powerful experience of being connected to everything that is there in the world uh in a, a powerful experience where there was no separate self and it it was a powerful state of connection but here the connection was not limited to a person to limited to a person's experience but feeling connected to the entire world and um if i have to look back at my own life and see the milestones yes i have been a individual who can connect and feel more and experiences when i was 17 years old has had a huge impact of life itself and i know how powerful these experiences can be in terms of transforming anyone's experience of how they live how they relate how they move towards move forward in life and of course the relationship that i share with krishna ji in terms of the impact that he can create from his state of connection and the impact that we can create in the world from our states of connection has been tremendous um the work that we do today has one more milestone has a profound um has a profound impact on our life is an ex- accident that happened when we were as a family in the big bear lake and uh, krishna ji my husband had a very profound um insight into the suffering of human beings um an insight which shows that all suffering exists because of an obsession with oneself and it was a very profound and it's a long experience which i don't want to narrate here mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is an experience it is a transcendental experience it clearly showed him that suffering continues in us because we are engrossed with ourselves if we are not engrossed with ourselves then suffering would not exist So it was a powerful insight and which we definitely would love to share with the world. We share our state, we share this insight, we share uh we share to the world ways of getting out of suffering to be that individual who experiences greater connection with the people around and greater connection with the universe. So you enter into a magical realm, you allow the universe due to be in synchronicity with the world with the universe and so that you'll be able to manifest all that you desire 
So if the crux of suffering is this... Um, Engrossment with one's Yes, yes. How do we start to get out of that? What are the ways that you can start to break that down? Do you think that people even realize how engrossed they are with themselves? Or do you think that part of it is bringing awareness to the fact uh, that... People don't really rea- realize, from my experience, what, have, what has happened. People don't realize, realize that they are in a suffering state. I would like to bring another insight here where Krishna Ji shares with the world um, that every one of us live, in, live only in two states of being. We live either in a suffering state or a beautiful state. There is no third state. So what becomes very important in our life is what is the state you're constantly fueling or what is the state you're nurturing within yourself. That is behind everything that you're seeing in the world, behind love and separation, behind um, everything, behind war or togetherness or harmony, behind everything is the individual state of being. And it is extremely important that we take this time to nurture a beautiful state in our consciousness. And we do not bring attention to our state because we are a civilization that has focused so much on the external world. Our focus is to make sure that we achieve great with it. Um, it is not, it's nothing wrong with it, but we can achieve from a beautiful state. We need not be a stressed out achiever. <laughs> we can be a fulfilled achiever. <laughs> so the focus has been on the external and we have not brought attention to our inner state and we don't realize that this inner state has having is having a huge impact on our experience of life itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I travel across the world, we we actually help individuals to see what is the state that is driving them. What is the state that is driving them in their relationships, in their careers? Is it a beautiful state or is it a suffering state? Are you driving uh, your life from a place of lack? Are you driving your life from a place of aggression, from a place of fear of not being loved, sorry, not being loved? Or are you driving your life from a place of actually wanting to create an impact? So one state is a state where you feel separate. The other state, the beautiful state, is a state where you feel so connected. And how much of our education has given us, we have not brought enough attention to this. What is the state that is driving us? So in a lot of ways, those are two sides of the same coin, right? It can be a different way of looking at um, at the way that you're approaching the world. How do you know whether you're approaching it? If you if you say that most people don't know whether they're in a suffering state or not. It is important that we bring attention to our inner state. It is mm-hmm. important to see and learn more about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Just as much as we are focused on the external world, it is so very important that we bring attention to our consciousness because consciousness is the foundation on which the entire life is being built and we do not bring attention to that spectrum in our lives which is very very important many we believe that we are logical individuals we <laughs> believe that we are acting because of the particular situation or the person that is there in the situation but the truth is so much of it is driven by our past experiences driven by how separate you are feeling in your life how lonely you're feeling in your life and it is important that we nurture connection in our being. We nurture connection with life, with people. So we are individuals who are having, who are having a very clear purpose and meaning to life. If you are somewhere being lost in life, if you feel that you do not know what you're doing, you do not know why you're doing what you're doing, then it is time to bring attention to yourself. That means you're spending a lot of time in states of disconnection. And what are the ways that we bring attention to our inner state? First thing is to recognize where you are. Mm 
we have this simple three minute practice it is called the serene mind practice where you recognize your exact emotions and the tricky part is since we don't know how we feel we do not know how to bring attention to it's little tricky because it takes a little while to really understand okay this is what i'm feeling mm-hmm. many times we mistake uh, worry for love mm. or uh, it's it we are mixed up we believe jealousy is love we may, we believe that longing for somebody is love mm-hmm. not knowing that these states are not really love love is a state where you feel more beyond yourself where you feel connected it is not a suffering state it is a state in which you are not disturbed it is a it's a state where you move beyond yourself and you're not limited by your own self mm-hmm. but uh, it gets very confusing <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing is to actually recognize what your emotions are what is it that you're feeling at this point of time and then the second step in in the serene mind practice is where you observe the movement of your mind observe as this emotion is arising say you are anxious observe the movement of your mind how it is taking making you obsess about a future mm-hmm. or if it is a hurt that is that is arising observe the movement of your mind where you are observing a past experience of hurt mm-hmm. so you observe the movement of your mind and the third step in the serene mind practice is um you see whether in that emotion as that emotion is arising are you a connected individual or are you engrossed with yourself mm-hmm. and in the next step you see a light move from the middle of your forehead to the middle of your brain um actually uh, we are a civilization that has overly activated the amygdala and um, our prefrontal cortex is activated by our education mm-hmm. but it is time for us to activate yet another region of our brain which is responsible for deep connection mm-hmm. it is the mid- medial prefrontal cortex and uh, as you see this light move from the middle of your forehead to the middle of your brain you're activating yet another region of your brain serene mind practice is something that anybody can start doing mm-hmm. that it is it doesn't take it doesn't take more than 3 minutes but it is immensely powerful in helping you to get back to a place of calm. I'd love to go back for a minute because I think that part of what is so interesting about you is that you are not only a spiritual leader but you also have taken this path of business and that you studied um you have degrees in philosophy and business administration um and that you have and that you go back and forth a little bit between these two worlds um I'm so curious about what made you study I mean with your upbringing with where you were headed you definitely could have just gone into spirituality and philosophy and and yet you you chose business as well um I think I liked business when I was young and I continue like I like business <laughs> but uh, I feel they're not contradictory spirituality and business they're complementary to each other uh, in order to be a successful business leader you need to be wise and you must be quick at making decisions mm-hmm. for which you need a mind that is free of inner conflict mm-hmm. uh, in order to be a successful business leader you need not you should you should be that person who does not succumb to pressure especially mm-hmm. when things are not going fine that means a, a mind that is free of stress in order to be a successful business leader you need to be an effortless team player mm-hmm. that means a mind that is capable of connection i don't see spirituality and business as being contradictory but i feel it is very complementary and we have uh, students across the world who join the business circle um in the courses in academy in india and they feel how much it is important to transform that state of consciousness in order to be that individual who's able to um be 
a leader a leader with a clear mind with a fearless mind with an uncluttered mind with a wise mind and a connected mind you talk a lot about those qualities of fearlessness of limitless of moving through the world in a way that's um has more clarity um i'm curious about how you um if that is all connected also to the interstate and if it's really about getting in touch with your feelings or if you want to move forward and and have more of that clear state and that ability to make decisions easily and feel unfettered by worries um how do you <laughs> how do you get there <laughs> when you are in a suffering state you there is so much of noise within yourself there is an inner claustrophobia there is an inner clutter and from that state you're probably making decisions because you're habituated to making those decisions there is no clear intelligence that is available for you as human beings we are we have a huge capacity and we are not using that that intelligence because we are engrossed in a suffering state there is an inner noise there is an inner clutter you are either driven by anger you're constantly craving for love you're driven by fear or anxiety but what the situation needs is something very different what the situation needs if you have a challenge if you have a problem in hand what the problem or the challenge needs is a very quiet mind a quiet mind that is able to absorb the entirety of the situation and perform those actions that is needed to improve your situation or to get out of the problem mm-hmm. so um, if you look in a suffering state a thinking that is going in rounds that is going in circles that means it is old it is habitual there is no newness to it there is no creativity in it so the more you nurture a beautiful state even with the serene mind practice or there is another practice called the soul sync practice which is a 9 minute practice which we have where we have students across the globe do it every morning um if if you can nurture a beautiful state where you are able to move into a place of feeling expansion and soul sync also helps helps you manifest the intentions that you want to manifest in your life from that space of connection mm-hmm. um so if you are able to nurture a beautiful state you have an immense ability and immense intelligence to actually um make the situations around you better anxiety is a big word these days it's um something that comes up a lot that people are struggling with a lot i imagine that that plays into suffering and you mentioned it earlier um how is anxiety specifically um handled or a little bit different from the general suffering what do, what what do you make of of the rise in anxiety and um how do you counsel people to help get themselves out of that anxious state anxiety is a state in which you're constantly projecting a painful future we are used to doing it again and again and again because you are used to doing it <laughs> because you have become that has become a very familiar emotion for you that is a place probably you visit again and again you visit it before you go to bed you you that's probably the first thing you visit when you wake up from your bed in the morning and you are strengthening that emotion you're strengthening that neural connection in your brain and then you get back to feeling it again and again but if you look deep within yourself anxiety is a state in which you're constantly projecting a painful future if you're hold, able to hold this insight very strong if you're able to see an anxious thought and if you're able to see okay it is because i'm used to projecting a painful future i'm used to doing it again and again then you will be able to slowly see that you're able to get out of that anxious state 
what we do in the academy in india and across the globe where we travel is we help individuals get out of the suffering state with um with a wisdom lesson like a powerful wisdom the right understanding the right wisdom that you need we lead individuals through deep powerful processes allowing them to cleanse of all that is hurting them allowing them to cleanse of all that is holding them back in suffering we help individuals with meditation and practices and we also help individuals have this powerful transcendental experiences transcendental and the mystical mystical experiences where they move beyond themselves a state of expansion if suffering is a state where you are limited suffering is a state where you are engrossed the more you feel expanded the more you feel connected then you would see the suffering state does not stick in you you need those states those powerful states of expansion of limitlessness of me moving beyond yourself of getting back and nurturing that beautiful state again and again so these suffering states which has taken control of you fall apart so if um in the anxious mind you're always projecting a painful future mm-hmm. is there um a simple practice to start to project a non-painful future a loving future no, the serene a, the serene mind practice yeah. first it is important to recognize where we are mm-hmm. it is not about throwing a carpet around where we are and say we are beautiful human <laughs> beings we are in a beautiful state <laughs> right no it is important to recognize the entire uh, entire state observing it completely without trying to change it so this is when you wake up and you feel anxious when you go to bed and you're feeling, feeling that anxious, anxiety yeah. and you're projecting that pain instead you're so you're first acknowledging what it is it is to see it very clearly how how you're constantly projecting this or moving into the space of anxiety and projecting a painful future it is important to see it very clearly to recognize it very clearly and then observe your whole mind your thinking in that process as you're constantly projecting and obsessing about your future and then see how it is an engrossment with yourself mm-hmm. you are obsessed with yourself if there if you are not obsessed with yourself there is no anxiety there is no suffering so to see it very clearly and then move into a place of dissolving by observing the light move to the middle of your brain we were talking before we began about how um we're both parents i'm curious about um spirituality and parenthood and um what you think that we should be counseling our children to do um how you can raise your children to be spiritual beings um and how and how parenthood and spirituality mix i feel it's extremely important if you are a parent to be a spiritual person because um your your state your past experiences your suffering actually gets passed on to your children to the future generation generations i would say and uh, so far what we have known in the world is raising our children with the values with ideals i personally feel it is a shortcut and if you look at the world around us if ideals were to work if values were to work we wouldn't see so much of problems and so much of chaos in the world around us my personal feeling is those have not worked we only try to meet up to the ideals and we always fail on not being able to meet up to those ideals and then we feel ashamed ourselves ashamed of ourselves and 
we don't like ourselves that's what we are creating in young children what i see work with my 15 year old daughter is the state of connection to be able to feel what she's feeling and from that state of connection responding to her is immensely powerful it kind of you're you're helping her grow into a beautiful her or him growing into a beautiful individual at the same time supporting with that state of connection and i see the state of connection as immensely powerful to heal the other person's heart we are bringing four children into this world and we do not have complete control on what happens to the child in terms of the expectations disappointments and hurts but what we can the child does get hurt the child feels disappointed child feels its expectations are not being met but if you want to help the child to actually free oneself free the child of all the painful experiences that the that the child has gone through it is extremely important that you as a parent nurture a beautiful state of connection if you are able to nurture that beautiful state of connection that connection that you experience with your child is immensely powerful and allows those painful experiences that your child has to get out of your child's consciousness so uh when i travel across the world when i do the field of abundance the four day retreat i i i love i love people i love everybody getting out of suffering state and getting into a beautiful state but one place where my heart really goes out is when a parent is transformed otherwise what i see it is the same pain continuing the same suffering continuing for generations so when i see a parent transform i don't see them as one single individual but instead i see them as someone who's impacting many generations to come and i have heard stories of transformation where a parent gets transformed and the child's experience of life being transformed that's really beautiful what is it is it through this um through this state of feeling connected to your child and giving them that support and understanding what they're going through are there things that you actually try and teach them about understanding themselves and are there practices that children can be doing in order to to understand themselves better or to deal with the world better actually we have this huge organization called the world youth change makers wicm which uh, which is impacting the lives of children across the globe and uh, it is Krishnaji and I feel it is very important that children learn very young to live in a beautiful state mm-hmm. and not to fuel a suffering state and they love they love it they love the <laughs> message and they are in for it right <laughs> and, and are they easier to teach than adults absolutely <laughs> because the neural so. connections of suffering state is not very strong in them right so they are able to get out of the suffering state knowing very clearly it is a state it does not help anybody Mm-hmm. that engrossment with oneself that continuous thinking about oneself or where this thinking goes in circles it is not helping anybody mm-hmm. suffering is no blessing for anybody so uh, it is a state that is destroying one's inner experience of life it is a state that is destroying our creativity our ability to change lives so suffering state does not help anybody and children understand it very very well very quickly and they are willing to get out of the suffering state very fast but if you are a parent i would say you must nurture a beautiful state a state of connection it is not understanding the child but it is a state of connection where you do not feel separate from them and it is this state of connection that has the healing power 
How does that transform everyday interactions? I'm thinking about tantrums. And <laughs> no, I, my daughter has many no's, but because it comes from a place of connection, it does not come from a place of wanting to control, wanting to dominate, wanting to take control of the situation, or constantly planning and seeing, you know, if I do this, I will get something else. So it is not coming from a place of calculation or wanting to control, but it actually comes from a place of feeling her, but still letting her know what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. So it is not about disciplining one's child. It is not about giving them total freedom, but feeling the situation and then responding from that place. Let's talk about personal relationships for a minute. Um, Why do you think that so many people are unhappy in their personal relationships right now? Because nobody has taught us what to do, what we should be doing with our hearts. We hold on to it. After, after a point of time, it becomes very important. The hurt becomes very important, not the relationship. Because we do not know how to process our hurts. We are putting it down under the carpet and continuing to relate. relate. And as I said, we logical individuals. We believe that we're relating to the other person dependent on how the other person is. But not knowing the hurt has become deep-seated in our consciousness and that is what is directing us in the resp- to the responses that we give to them. And we actually, geop- actually we kind of complicate the relationship because it is coming from a place of hurt. What is the better way to deal with the hurt when it happens? To bring attention to it. To bring attention to it and to dissolve it and allowing it to fall away from your consciousness rather than her trying to take control of your consciousness. I know it can be hard for a lot of people to even recognize what, when they've been hurt, why they've been hurt, and that's probably why it gets swept under the rug. Um, when you're recognizing it, is it saying to your, to your loved one, to your partner, this is what happened, this is how I feel, and the first, having them acknowledge it? When you are actually engrossed in hurt, the other becomes so very unimportant for you in your life. So forget connection, forget love, forget the relationship. So the first step is important that you recognize that you're hurt, you dissolve that hurt, and then come back into relationship, come back to relating to the other free of hurt. Mm -hmm. And then you can speak whatever comes from that place of, um, that place of calm and peace. You can speak to the other, you can tell the other that you are hurt and this particular action does not, is not fine for you. Any response can come after you dissolve the hurt. Because when it comes from a place of hurt, there is so much of anger that is built. There is so much of disappointment that is built within you. And all that you speak only comes from that place. Do you think that it's important that couples work on this kind of work together? Um, Or do you think that you can work on yourself and bring that into relationship? Many times it'll be great if couples can come together and do this, but in many situations it doesn't happen. In many families it doesn't happen that way. But even if you are an individual who can take control of your inner world and you are not causing further problem to that relationship, you are in a better position. I'd love to talk to you about purpose. And something that we talked about earlier um, briefly and that a lot of people are struggling and looking for their purpose in life. And I know that you've said that um, having a more connected state is a way to get there. Um, But how do you think that we've become so distanced from purpose and um, that people have managed to cultivate lives without purpose? And, um, you know, how do we get on that on that wheel? And then how do we start to when we decide that we do want a life that has more purpose in it? How do we start to look for that? How do we start to find what it is that we're meant to do? 
If you have these questions when you get up in the morning, that I don't know what I'm doing with my life, I don't know where I'm headed to, I don't know what I'm doing, why I'm doing, it is because you are in a state of disconnection. We have three three kinds of places from which we can drive our lives, from a place of fear, from a place of anger, or from a place of being stuck to an ideal and drive your life from a place of an ideal. Any of these drives will actually make you feel um, lost in life. What we usually do is when discovering a purpose, we see what we are good at and let's make that purpose. Let's make that your purpose (laughs) or let's see what fascinates us Mm -hmm. and let's make that your purpose. But the truth is, Gandhi did not come up with a purpose like that. Gandhi did not say, Mahatma Gandhi did not say that, okay, let me become the father of the nation of India. He didn't Mm -hmm. do that. Um, Gandhi felt very connected to the people around him. Gandhi felt connected to the people and the suffering of Indians. And he did all that was needed to help alleviate suffering from those people, from the people of India. And as he was doing it, he became the leader. He Mm -hmm. became the father of the nation. Mm -hmm. So a purpose always emerges only in connection. And if you're seeing more and more people do not know the purpose of their lives, that means more and more people are living in states of disconnection. More and more people are living in states of disconnection because they are engrossed engrossed in loneliness, engrossed in anxiety, engrossed in hurt, engrossed in fear. It is very important, as I said, as I, in the beginning I said, it is very important that we bring attention to our inner state. Because based on our state of consciousness is what we see today as life. So it is the foundation of our life and we do not bring attention to it. And a state of disconnection takes out your purpose. And um, it makes you feel very lost. How does fear play into this too? We've talked, you've mentioned fear a few times. Um, What is it about fear that really controls our lives and how are we more driven by fear than we might realize? Looking at lives of many people, fear fear of not being loved, fear of not being accepted, it is huge. And we are wanting and longing to be accepted and loved. And for that, we do what we're doing in life. But we can drive our lives from a very beautiful place, not from a longing, not from a craving, not from fear. When you know that there is fear that's driving you and you know that it's that fear of, lack of love or feeling like you maybe didn't get that in your life at some point and it's something that you're always looking for. Um, how do you start to undo that? How do you start to um, and move inner through journey life? and knowing oneself becomes very important mm-hmm. because as I said, we have been civilization focused on the external and we really do not know what is happening in our inner world. What is driving us into making those actions, performing or giving those responses to life? Mm-hmm. The more we know ourselves, the more we are able to bring attention to our inner world, observe our states, greater would be your ability to move out of those states. Mm -hmm. So again, I would say 
either the soul sync practice soul sync practice is amazingly beautiful because it helps you move into a place of calm and that state of expansion and connection what do you make of our fear of death what do you think about death death i would see it as transitioning from one realm to the other realm fear of death is something that i have come across people being in it for a very long time not that they are alive when they are alive they're not alive when they're alive because they're constantly concerned about that absolutely about that next step when you are constantly con- con- concerned about being dead at some point of time you're not being alive at this present moment mm-hmm. so it's please and like whenever we are in a suffering state it could be fear it could be anxiety it could be hurt it could be disappointment it could be loneliness it could be sa- say insecurity or sadness at any point of time when we are in this suffering place a suffering state we are not alive we are not alive we are disconnected What does optimal health look like to you? For the body? Yeah, for the body, for the mind, for the spirit. What is the what what is your definition of ultimate health? Optimal health. If you look at the body, it is optimal health when every cell in your body is able to perfectly communicate with every other cell in the body. I learned it from a very great doctor. <laughs> That is it's not about individual organs performing well. Mm-hmm. it is about a great communication happening between every part of your body mm-hmm. it is a state where there is perfect connection and great communication and it translates to our mind as well as our spirit if you are able to experience that connection with your loved ones with the people around you you are filled every cell of your body is filled with a great purpose and you're alive. What gets you excited in the morning? A coffee with my husband. <laughs> Is that your morning ritual? Yes. <laughs> um, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Actually work. I would like to see being with my family when I'm not traveling. <laughs> Uh what advice would you give to your younger self? To my younger self. I would say life is beautiful. Life is truly beautiful when you are in a beautiful state. If there was a message that you could send everybody in the world right now today to have them feel, what would it be? You're just perfect and beautiful as you are. from this place get to as many people as you can connect to them and know that you're one we are one every one of us they are one in the way we experience life the way i want to be loved the way you want to be loved the way i experience fear the way you experience fear it's not different we are all one in our consciousness and from this understanding let us connect to the other What do you think is missing from the way that we interact with each other on a daily basis in every interaction that we have be it on we, we constantly feel that we are separate we feel that we are separate and 
we are different every one of us is different but our difference is just superficial at the bottom of our hearts it is the same pain it is the same fear it is the same love it is the same wanting to be loved we are not different to move away from that separation is extremely important not only for you as an individual but it's very important for the world getting back to children for a minute do you think that they sometimes understand that more or intuitively than adults do or that at some point people understood this and then as you grow up you uh, move away from that understanding the more suffering states in you get engrossed in suffering states the more you are losing the ability to connect children are actually i would feel that my daughter is connect most part of her growing age as i when she was 7 or until 8 i would say she would feel the world through me so children are definitely more connected but i think what we need to understand is what makes us move away from being that child is suffering and suffering is not limited to sadness and anxiety and fear but every form of inner disturbance every form that separates you from the other when you move away from um experiencing connecting through your parent you said maybe when you're around 7 or 8 then what happens when do you take on your own um ability to connect with the world is was that hard for you as someone who was so tuned into that when your daughter turned 7 <laughs> or 8 and took on her own connection with others you know what i would say is uh, when my daughter was feeling me more the environment more through me it kind of made me feel like how important it is to be a parent and how important it is to be in a beautiful state as you're a parent because if you are in a state of stress you're passing it on your child is learning very quickly through you that was a responsibility and that i felt mm-hmm. that it is very important because the child is feeling through me it's amazing the way you bring things home in the family deals with all of the emotions together and when the children are small and it's it's it feels like it's the whole family trying to cope with something yeah um, just that that space of connection if one member in a family can experience mm-hmm. it can it can mean a lot to every member in that family if you are listening to this know that you are the person who who needs to nurture that connection to be that individual who's able to support so many and are those families microcosms of all of the connections that we have in the world those families are microcosms of maybe your work environment or um your school environment or all the other communities that we have are they all connected in that same way Absolutely. and how one person we can are, make that kind of difference we are connected to the entire universe mm-hmm. to believe that we are separate and isolate isolated individuals uh, is an illusion we are not actually in our consciousness in the realm of consciousness we are connected but there is a soul circle which is probably more connected than the rest of the universe mm-hmm. a soul circle um which is like the aspen trees <laughs> though they are separate individual trees when you look from the outside but they are all connected mm-hmm. through the roots so you have a soul circle which you have to impact so as you nurture a state of connection you're directly impacting your soul circle which is very close to you. I love that soul circle. <laughs> <laughs> If there's one simple practice that everyone could do at home today, what would it be? I would say it would be the soul sync practice. 
it is available online and you can just it just takes 9 minutes to do it but it leaves your day you feel very clear you feel very calm when you do it and you said that that is something that's best practiced in the morning if you do not find time i would say in the morning it's the best doing it in the morning mm-hmm. but if you do not find time in the morning you can also end your day with soul sync practice wonderful Preetiji, thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful being here with you, Odessa. It's it's a great opportunity to connect with the audience, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.